Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our special series, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, an eight-week journey designed to help you develop a deeply rooted spirituality in Christ. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. There's so much more to your story than what's on the surface. God is calling you to dive deeper, to see how your joys, losses, dreams, and experiences have shaped you. What will the Holy Spirit speak to your soul? through Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. All right, what's up, everybody? Hey, welcome to Liquid. I'm Pastor Tim. Let's give a big welcome to our live locations, everybody at Church Online. Glad you guys could join us for week seven. Can you believe it? Of our series, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's been an amazing journey. And uh, next week is the finish line, guys. Can I can't believe it. Um, in fact, we are celebrating with fall baptisms Next Sunday, we are rolling out the holy hot tubs at every campus. And check this out. We have over 100 people signed up to go public with their faith in Christ. That's amazing, man. Now, listen, I want you to take a screenshot of that graphic they're going to put back up. Because if you've never been baptized, you want to go to this, this URL right here. This is your next step in your journey with Jesus. It's take the plunge, get baptized next Sunday. It's not too late to sign up at your campus. And it's a really cool moment to celebrate that spiritual milestone with your family and friends next Sunday. Now, today, I want to talk about how to grow into an emotionally mature adult. Um, How many of you know that just because you're a certain age, maybe you're 35, 45, 55, just because you're chronologically adult, doesn't mean you're mature emotionally, (laughs) yeah? In fact, I've met many people who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s, who are emotional babies. (laughs) They're easily offended. Uh, They demand their way. They deal poorly with conflict. They kind of, they don't get their way. They're kind of, well, it's your fault. Or, or, or they, they pout or they leak their emotions to a third party who's not really involved or just kind of pretend there's no conflict or just ignore it, you know. The sad reality is it's entirely possible to be in your 50s and have the emotional maturity of a 15-year-old. And that's a challenge for Christians because I think a lot of us believe, you know, well, we give our lives to Christ and uh, I'm a new creation. And so therefore, becoming emotionally mature, it's just natural. Just become an emotionally mature adult. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. But the reality is that's about your spiritual position in Christ. In other words, your old life of sin, it's passed away. You now stand before God and the righteousness of Jesus. So you're completely forgiven. You're accepted by God. You're a new creation spiritually. But that doesn't automatically translate to emotional maturity. Deep parts of us still remain hidden behind a false self. We've talked about that, right? We all have these broken patterns that we inherited from our families of origin. So we need to relearn how to do life differently in the new family of Jesus. That's what's called discipleship. And it's hard work if you're going to mature out of emotional infancy into emotional adulthood. This week in your EHS reading, you're going to read about the different stages of emotional maturity. And Pete describes them this way. Emotional infants, um, you guys get it. It's like a baby. They look for others to take care of them, right? Like a baby does. What happens when babies don't get their way? You guys know? Ah! 
they cry, they scream, they throw a tantrum. Now, that's fine for babies, but it's pathetic when you're an adult. <laughs> an adult who's an emotional infant has a hard time empathizing with other people because they're just too wrapped up in themselves. Now, I just want to acknowledge, that is nobody here in this church, okay? We don't have any emotional infants in this, this church. But how about emotional children? Those are people who are content and happy as long as they get what they want. But like a child, their feelings are easily hurt or bruised. Anybody know other adults like that? Don't, don't point, don't point to them. They complain, they sulk or they snark or manipulate when they don't get their way. It's very hard for emotional children to express their needs in a mature, respectful way. Now, others grow up into emotional adolescence. They're more mature, um, but they tend to be pretty defensive. They're very threatened by criticism. Don't say anything that, that might be a criticism of me. And like teenagers, if you're a parent teenager, you understand they don't like to be controlled. They have authority problems. Uh, they keep score of, of what they give out so I can ask for something later in return. I did this for you, so now you got to do this for me. It's very transactional in nature. If you have teenagers, you get this. When it comes to conflict, uh, their first instinct is to lie <laughs> or to blame others or to gossip to other people. Let's make this as convoluted and complicated and interrelated. You know, it's just, it's just they cause chaos. And then we just got to pretend nothing's wrong. I didn't see that instead of actually maturely addressing the issue. Again, it's so weird. You can be in your 40s, 50s, 60s and still be an emotional adolescent. But the goal, of course, in Christ is to grow into an emotionally mature adult who takes responsibilities for her own thoughts and feelings. That's the thing about adults, right? Adults can articulate their needs, their opinions in a, a clear and direct way and can actually disagree with others without being adversarial. Because mature people are differentiated, right? We've learned this. They're not triggered by other people's reaction. They know how to actually respect others without having to change them. <laughs> and you just make room for others to actually make mistakes. They don't have to be perfect. And can I just tell you as your pastor, okay, that's who you want to work with. That's who you want to marry. That's who you want to raise a family with. An emotionally mature adult who knows how to resolve conflict and love others well. Guys, loving others well is pretty much the whole goal of the Christian life. So I came today to let you know it's time for some of us to grow up. We're on week seven. You're going to graduate in a week. And so I'm kind of curious where you would put yourself right now in this season. Are you an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult? And how would you describe yourself just in this season? You know, certain topics I think raise different issues, but I want to know kind of where you hope to be as EHS ends, because God wants you to grow up. Did you know that? Spiritually and emotionally. As the Apostle Paul, I love this verse he wrote in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, or it's 1 Corinthians, he says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But let's read this together, ready? When I became a man, <laughs> I put the ways of childhood behind me. Translations, time to grow up, guys. It's time for all of us to put in action what we've been learning and actually move out of emotional childhood into emotional adulthood. Now today, I want to teach you what I think is the number one skill. Uh, you have to master if you want to become an emotional adult. And it ain't something that you were taught in school, probably didn't learn it in college. Most likely, your parents didn't teach you how to do this, probably because nobody taught them, right? <laughs> and that skill is how to resolve conflict in an emotionally mature way. Some of you are like, I know how to resolve conflict. I win. No, in an emotionally mature way. The truth is nothing reveals your emotional age than how you handle conflict. When stress is on, 
when things get crunchy and get emotional. And uh, gosh, how do I say that? The reality is many of the Christians I talk to suck at resolving conflict. Now, don't get me wrong. They can quote all sorts of uh, Bible verses. They like the idea of resolving conflict. They just don't know how to do it, right? And so what we do is in a lot of our homes and in families, we settle for a fake kind of peace. It's like the guy named Carl, whose wife comes home late after work every day. Maybe it's upsetting to him, but he actually says nothing because he thinks, well, being like Jesus means, you know, don't, don't, you know, be a peacemaker. Don't say anything, right? So Carl doesn't say a word, but he does give his wife the cold shoulder just to let her know, send a little message. That's a false peace, and it's emotionally childish. Or how about a woman named Ellen who loves her parents? The only problem is this. They are super critical about how she's raising her kids. Anybody here have that issue? They, they give a lot of unsolicited advice. And so every holiday is like, ah, it's filled with tension. And she's starting to resent it. But Ellen's like, you know, I, I'm a believer. It, you know, the Bible says, honor your parents. I don't want to say anything because I, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Seems kind, but it's actually false peace. And it's emotionally immature. The reality is authentic peace never comes by pretending what's wrong is right. Emotionally mature adults love God and others enough to actually disrupt false peace just like Jesus did. Do you know that? Jesus disrupted the peace all around him in the lives of his disciples, the Pharisees, the Romans. He actually taught that authentic conflict resolution even disrupts the peace in families. Look what Jesus says here. Nobody preaches or quotes this verse. Jesus said, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to earth. I came not to bring peace, but a what? A sword. And they're like, what? I thought you were the prince of peace. No, no, you want true peace? I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. Some of you are like, well, that describes my family on Thanksgiving. Right there, that, that verse is for me. The reality is you can't experience the authentic peace and love of God by pretending nothing's wrong. Conflict has to be addressed head on because it's the mature and loving thing to do. So you got to actually learn, man, you got to man up a little bit, say, Ash, how do I get past my defensiveness, my fear of conflict, how people react and being triggered to actually openness, empathy, I can understand and, and feel where you're at and vulnerability. If you want to love others well, like Jesus. So let me start with a personal question. Here it is. Who do you currently have conflict with? Like, maybe there's a feud with somebody in your family or a business partner. Maybe it's a colleague at work. As we open God's word today, I want you to bring to mind somebody with whom things are crunchy right now, okay? There's friction in your friendship or there's gap in the relationship. Maybe you had a falling out with your mom or dad or maybe it's your brother or sister. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's somebody at school, a college student, or you're a parent and you got conflict with one of your teens, or maybe there's conflict in your marriage, let's be honest, or, or tension with your ex, you know, you're divorced or, or you don't know how to resolve that. Today, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm about to save you thousands of dollars in counseling and teach you how to step-by-step -step how to resolve conflict in a biblically mature way. Now, I want to be clear very quickly, peacemaking is not avoiding and it's not appeasing. Some people think, well, I, I know how I avoid conflict in my house. We just don't rock the boat, man. I just let it all slide. You sweep it under the rug. Just grin and bear it. That's not being mature. That's being a coward, okay? Peacemaking isn't avoiding or running from conflict. And it's also not appeasing the other person. 
Appeasing means, hey, you just always give in. They always get their way. That's not maturity. That's called codependency. Jesus Christ never backed down from a conflict. He actually shows us how to deal with it head on because he loved people enough to reconcile the relationship. Now, before you tune me out, let me just be, clarify. That doesn't mean you get back together with your ex, okay? It doesn't, it, it means you bury the hatchet with her. You make peace. The hurt feelings are no longer there. There's actually some level of healing. But here's the thing, it doesn't happen overnight. People say this, I hear all people say crazy stuff. They'll say like, you know, time heals all wounds. Like, isn't that a great Bible verse? <laughs> First off, it's not a Bible verse. <laughs> Secondly, it's baloney. If, if, you get, if you get stabbed in the side, are you like, I'm just going to wait for this to kind of heal over time? No, it's probably going to fester and grow worse. So you have to take active steps if you're going to resolve conflict in emotionally mature ways. So what I'm going to teach you from the Bible, this is a master class in resolving conflict as an emotionally mature adult. And let me encourage you to take notes. I listed these scriptures and steps in our mobile app. And uh, the Bible, basically, I'm going to give you five steps for resolving conflict. And even if you're not in a conflict right now, take the notes anyway, screenshot, because you're going to need this <laughs> at some point in your life. You ready for them? Five steps. Here we go. Step number one. If you want to resolve conflict like an emotionally mature adult, you've got to be the one to make the first move. You don't wait for the other person you say, I'm going to man up and I'm going to take the initiative. Now, I know some of you are like, but Tim, it, it was all their fault. If, if they come to me, I'll deal with it. No, no, no. God says as an emotional man of God, a woman of God, I expect you to take the first step. Listen to how Jesus explains this in Matthew chapter 5. He says this. If you're offering your gift at the altar, in other words, you're in church, and you remember that someone has something, what? against you. Notice it doesn't say if you've got something against them. It says if, you, if they've got something against you, because you're an emotionally mature adult, you leave your gift there in front of the altar. What's it say? First, go and be reconciled to them. Then you come back to church and offer your gift. Now, let's just be honest, okay? Because this is, this is a place to be honest. It's a very safe place. How many of you have ever had an argument with someone in your family on the way to church? Just show of hands. Can we just be honest? Okay, the rest of you are liars too now. <laughs> Me too, okay, most of us, right? I've had it many times. And um, you know what Jesus says? He says, it would actually be better if you weren't here today. It actually would be better if you sat in the car in the parking lot and worked out the conflict than for you to be in church right now. He says, it's that important. In God's mind, conflict resolution takes priority over worship. So he says, if there's a, a conflict in your life, it says, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go, you go, you make the first move and be reconciled to them. Then you come and offer your gift. In other words, you make the first move. So what we know right now is that if at some point today, somebody in your row walks out while I'm teaching, now we know why, okay? They leave early, it's not for the kids or bathroom. They got a problem with somebody, all right? But, but by the way, did you notice it says, leave your gift. So make sure you leave your offering before you, before you go. And then, okay, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. What's the point? Emotionally mature adults don't make excuses. They don't delay. They don't procrastinate. And the truth is some of you have been in conflict with people for weeks or months, even years. And you say, well, I'm just going to let it slide. You know, it's, I don't need the hassle. But it's no big deal. I, I, I'm just not speaking with my sibling or, or relative. And she says, don't do that. 
That's that old, immature, childish pattern you got from your family of origin. And it's doing damage to your soul. What do you mean, Tim? But do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says conflict actually blocks your fellowship with God. The reality is you can't be right with God when you're wrong with people. Karen always tells me about the vertical and the horizontal relationships in your life are connected, just like the cross. 1 John 4 puts it this way. If somebody says, "Woo, I love God, I love Jesus, I love church, but hates a fellow believer, (laughs) that person is what? Say it together. A liar. (laughs) For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we can't see? He, he's saying, man, you can't pretend like, oh man, this EHS is so good. Me and Jesus are like this. We're spiritually in tune. When me and him are like this, man, we're relationally out of whack. I, I'm, I'm, to- I'm not speaking with that person, but then I walk into church, praise the Lord. <laughs> You're a hypocrite. You're wearing a mask, a false self. You're lying to yourself. So conflict blocks your fellowship with God, but it also, the Bible says, blocks your prayers from being answered. Did you know that? The Bible says when you're, what are your relationships out of whack? God actually won't listen to your prayers. Now listen, now this is a verse I wish wasn't in the Bible, all right? Married men, if you're a husband, you want to see a haunting verse? 1 Peter 3, verse 7 says this, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with, what's the word? Respect. So that, in other words, here would be the consequence, nothing will hinder your prayers. You picking up what I'm laying down? (laughs) Wait a minute, Tim, are you telling me that if I've got a conflict with my wife and I don't respect her enough to talk about it, God won't answer my prayers? Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Because the Bible says there is a direct connection between the, the horizontal, the way you love people in your life, and vertical, your relationship with God. You can't be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally a baby. So couples, If there's hurt in your home, you need to make the first move. You, don't let it linger. And I'm talking to you from experience, by the way. Early in my marriage, man, I avoided conflict like you wouldn't believe. If Colleen, like, you know, threw an issue at me, I was like Neo in the Matrix. I just, you know, I want to talk to you, just ducked and dodged. I want to avoid conflict at all costs because I never saw it modeled in my home. That was done behind closed doors. I've told you this illustration before, but it bears repeating. In every relationship, I'm convinced there are skunks and there are turtles. Which are you? When skunks get upset, you know what they do? They stink the whole place up. So if you're a skunk and there's a problem in a relationship, everybody's going to know about it. But turtles, on the other hand, that was me, pull their head into a shell and hide when there's conflict. Can I tell you, I've been a pastor for 20 years now and 21, and worked with hundreds of couples. I've done tons of weddings. Here's what I've discovered. Skunks always seem attracted to turtles. I don't know why. And turtles always want to marry a skunk. So couples, which one are you? Want to use the skunk, the other's a turtle. And here's the thing, you're waiting on the other to make the first move. Well, he, you know, he's not coming out of his shell, so I'm going to make a stink about it. No, 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 no. Jesus says, whoever makes the first move, that's the most mature person in the relationship. That's what an emotional adult does. You make the first move like Christ did with you. Well, how do I I make the first move, Tim? Glad you asked. You plan what's called a peace conference. (laughs) You know how the United Nations holds peace conferences, right? Like, like, you know, Israel and the Palestinians, whatever countries are in conflict. You ask God, say, God, you're going to have to give me the courage 
I'm going to have to dig deep here to schedule a peace conference with that person. And understand timing is everything. You have to find a time when it's good for them, not when it's best for you. You want a peace conference when you're both at your best, not when you're tired, not late at night. Don't ever do it, drop a bomb in bed. You have that one, you know, like, you, you know, your head hits the pillow and then your, somebody, you know, your partner says to you, we need to talk. Ah! <laughs> the most important part is this. Before you meet with them, you need to practice what you've been learning in EHS. You actually start with your breath prayers. Before they arrive, you settle your heart. <sighs> Abba, I belong to you. <sighs> Jesus, I surrender to you. I want your will more than mine. Lord, will you help me not be defensive right now? For the next 30 minutes, just open my ears to really hear what she's saying. And Jesus, would you help me catch your heart for this person? That's how you actually practice the presence of God, guys, in your daily relationships. You pause, you pull away and pray and invite God to speak to your heart before you open your mouth to that person. And then after you've been anchored yourself in Christ's love for you, you meet with them and start with what's my fault. You never start with what they did wrong. You never start by listing all the ways you've been hurt by them. Well, you know, hey, I'm so glad you could come today. I just wanted to say, bring out the list. You've done this, and then you did this, and they did this, and we didn't really need it. If you're an emotional adult, not a child, you start with what's my fault. That's the second step. Now understand, I understand. In your mind, the conflict may be 99% their fault. The reality is because you are human, son of Adam, daughter of Eve you can always find something to apologize for. Something you could have done better. Maybe initially you just ignored the problem <laughs> before it escalated. Maybe you responded poorly. Maybe you stuck your head in the shell like a turtle. You always begin your peace talks by humbly confessing what was my fault. And this is key. You're trying to fix the problem, not fix the blame. You're trying to you're attack the issue, not one another. You're both on the same team. So instead of attacking or blaming them, you first confess, this is what's going on inside of me under my iceberg. Listen to this question from the book of James. He asks, what's causing fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from, let's read it together. Don't they come from all the selfish jerks around you? <laughs> it doesn't say that. It says they come from what? The evil desires at war within you. You want what you don't have, so you scheme to get it. In other words, the war you're having with them, watch this, is on the, it's on the surface. It's not here. It's actually raging underneath inside you under your iceberg. So what that means is this is an opportunity for emotional growth. See, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> I'm just talking for me. If I'm, when I am anchored in the love of Jesus, almost nothing ticks me off. I can roll with just about anything. But if I am filled with my flesh, if my ego is alive and well, that little King Saul, my pride, my self-centeredness where I want my way, man, almost anything can make me mad. You can do the smallest thing and man, my feelings are hurt. And so it all depends what's operating inside of you, Holy Spirit or your flesh. You know, again, whenever I talk to couples heading towards divorce, the number one excuse that they tell me is, well, Pastor Tim, we're, we're sad about it, but we're just incompatible. Can I tell you something? Incompatibility is a myth made up by divorce attorneys. The issue is not incompatibility. 
It's immaturity. <laughs> Let me tell you, I predict we'd have a ton fewer divorces if, if people had to give the real reason we're filing. We're divorcing because we're emotional infants. Yeah. We're actually selfish and neither of us or one of us is willing to grow up. That's actually the real issue. And that's hard to hear. But the truth is, no two people are exactly alike. You will always have different opinions and desires. We are all incompatible because we are all different. If incompatibility was an excuse, then exhibit A are Tim and Colleen Lucas. My wife and I are exact opposite in just about every DNA cell in our body. I like the outdoors. She likes them all. <laughs> She's a fashionista. I'm a mountain man. <laughs> We're just opposites in every area. We have different families of origin. I come from Beaver Cleaver world. She comes from a divorced home. Different personalities. I'm extrovert. She's more introverted. But the marriages that are the hardest are people who are so much alike that they get bored with each other. The truth is, the greater your differences, the greater your potential for emotional growth. Did you catch that? The greater your differences in the relationship, the greater your potential for maturity. Because the primary purpose of marriage isn't to make you happy, it's to make you holy to make you more mature and complete, not lacking anything like Christ. So the key to resolving conflict is emotional maturity. The question is this, am I willing to grow up? Am I willing to be flexible? Am I willing to see things from another perspective? Or would I rather just let the relationship die than have to do that? You may want to write this down. Mature adults resolve conflicts rather than dissolve relationships. We had so many problems in our early years of marriage. Guys, we might be divorced if it weren't for Jesus. Can I be honest with you? I think about right now what might have happened if we threw in the towel in our early years. We wouldn't have the amazing kids we have. There'd be no liquid church. We wouldn't be sitting here. Some of you might not be headed for heaven. <laughs> I think of all the blessings that would have been missed if I had listened to my pride or calling to listen to hers. Emotionally mature adults would rather resolve a conflict than dissolve the relationship. So let me give you a magic sentence if you're in a conflict. You're gonna write this down. It's not just for married people. If you're single, this can bridge the gap with a roommate or diffuse conflict with a friend. This is a magical sentence that will break any logjam in any conflict. You ready? Here it is. Get ready, ready. Deep breath, here we go, ready? I'm sorry, I honestly wasn't listening to your perspective. Can you say that with me, church? Let's, let's say it together. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening to your perspective. Can I ask, when was the last time you said those words to someone? Like, have they ever been said in your home? Do you know what would happen if you actually said sincerely with someone you're in conflict with right now, hey, I just wanna apologize, I wasn't listening to your perspective. Let me tell you what will happen. After your spouse gets up from the floor from fainting, you will see all the air of that conflict just shrivel out of that balloon because you are actually taking into account their perspective. It shows you're loving by listening. The Bible says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to what? Slow to speak. Everybody notice something? God gave you how many mouths? One mouth, how many ears? Two. That's God saying, hey, I want you to listen twice as much as you talk. Just shut your big trap for a minute. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening to your perspective. 
And you can say that with integrity because emotionally mature people can actually admit that they have blind spots. That's the third step according to the Bible. You confess your blind spots. We all have blind spots. I'm looking out over this room. Actually, some of us have bald spots, but we all have blind spots, right? <laughs> blind spots, now we have to have a little peace conference. You, get all the, you know, the cue balls are mad at me. It's all right. Roll with it. Blind spots are weaknesses in your life that you have a hard time seeing, right? This is the funny thing. Typically, we see the other person's faults in high definition. Like, it's obvious, his faults. He does this, he does this, he does this. My fault? Well, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's something there. I don't really see too much, but <laughs> in Matthew 7, listen to what Jesus says. He says, um, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the what? The plank in your own eye. You may not be seeing this correctly. You hypocrite. <laughs> First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then maybe you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And this is kind of funny, right? Who actually, who remembers what Jesus did for a living? You guys remember? What, what was his trade? What was his profession? He was a what? He was a carpenter, people, yeah. So Jesus is making a joke here. We don't get this. I've shown you this before. It's because you don't get Hebrew, Hebrew humor. Hebrew humor is based on hyperbole, exaggeration. And so when Jesus says, hey, before you get that little speck out of your friend's eye, I got an idea. Why don't you take the plank out of yours, bro? It's like, you got a telephone pole in your eye, man. You got a plank eye. And Jesus' audience, would they would have been roaring in laughter. They would have been like, Lord, you're killing me. He's using humor to make a point. What's he saying? He's saying, you've got a major blind spot. You, is it possible you don't see this situation clearly because you're so close to it? See, in any conflict, what we do is we magnify their part. Well, look, at, look what they did, man, this whole thing. And we're like, well, this is, maybe this is my part. Just a little bit here, right? Jesus says, if you're an emotional adult, if you want to act mature, you do the opposite. First, you remove the plank from your eye. You say, oh my goodness, look what I've done. I confess my blind spot. And then it right-sizes theirs. Because we all have blind spots. Like, like making assumptions, right? We all assume all sorts of stuff. Or failing, we're going to talk about this in your group this week, cl clarifying expectations. That's a huge one. Unspoken expectations are the root of so much conflict in families and churches and businesses and work teams. You ever, you ever said to me and someone says, you know, I never knew the job involved all that. Nobody ever told me. Or, you know, I'm the only one caring for my aging parents. My siblings, phew, they expect me to do everything. Or my adult children should know I need help around the house. I shouldn't have to ask them for it if they cared for me. Or how about this expectation? You know, in a good church, everybody should be friendly and instantly responsive when somebody's hurting. Those are expectations. And the problem is they're typically unspoken and you don't know it until someone disappoints you. Often our expectations are unrealistic or unagreed upon by the other person. But emotionally mature adults, what we do is we verbally clarify expectations up front. And when there's a gap, and there will be at some point, you humbly confess my blind spot. You say, hey, I just wanted to start by saying, I just, I want to apologize. I'm sorry. I, I, I obviously miscommunicated. Or I had these expectations, but I realized I never even said anything about them. Or I was being oversensitive, or I was just so stressed out, and I just want to ask you to forgive me. You have to honestly ask, man, what are my blind spots? And if you don't know, just ask the other person, they will tell you. You, you got to have guts. You got to grow up, man. 
Strap it on. You're going to ask some hard questions. Do you see how practical this is? You got to be intentional if you want to put childish ways behind you. And you know, after you own your blind spots, the fourth step is to wrap the truth. Yeah, we're going to get to your truth, but you're going to wrap it in love. Yes, the truth will set you free. But first, you've got to wrap it in love. Everyone say, wrap it in love. Wrap it in love. You got to say it with kindness. You got to say it with tact. Can I tell you one of my pet peeves? Like, it just drives me off the wall. I hate when I hear people say, well, well Tim, I just tell it like it is. Yeah, that's Hebrew for being a jerk. <laughs> that's how a child thinks. I just say what it is. It means you don't actually want to fix the problem. You want to fix the blame. You want to get it off your chest so you'll feel better, not them. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in what? In love. So it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And if you say it aggressively, like, hey, I just want to share a little bit of my truth with you. Can you just kind of lean in a little bit? If you say it aggressively, they're going to hear it defensively. Parents, the moment you start yelling at your kids, wah, 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 you're Charlie Brown's teacher. They don't hear a word you say. Here's what they hear. All of your unprocessed emotion. Holy moly, mom is pissed. She must have a lot going on under her iceberg. <laughs> Yelling never works. Believe me, I've tried this, okay? Emotionally mature adults never use the truth like a weapon to clobber people with it. People receive it best when truth is wrapped in love. I call it a truth burrito. Anybody here like burritos? Raise your hand if you like burritos. Just look at that man, makes me hungry. Look at that man, a burrito in the shape of a heart. You wrap it in love so that people can digest it. <laughs> you know, I was watching the news um, about these college kids on spring break and they were, they were causing a big ruckus down in Florida because they, they all flew down, they're partying on the beach, they're drinking, no one's wearing masks. That was a thing like at the time. And they're just, you know, causing an uproar. And in this huge crowd of, of college kids is this guy holding a sign. He's actually got like this giant, you know, yellow sign. He has like a, a big, you know, kind of scowl frown on his face. And he's clearly religious because the sign says, repent or go to hell. You ever see those signs? Anybody see those? They're so effective. Have you noticed that? It's just so encouraging. I call them turn or burn, <laughs> you know, you'll die and fry while I go to the sky, right? Kind of thing. So one side says, watch this, repent or go to hell. And the other side, though, says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Now, here's the truth. Both of those statements are true. It's true. I do need to repent. Fact. And it's also true. I need to accept what Jesus did for me on the cross. Fact. I just guarantee you, not a single person got saved on that beach that day. Not one. Why? Because they weren't speaking the truth they, they were speaking the truth, but he didn't wrap it in love. Does that make sense? It's not just what you say, it's how you say it and why you say it. Do you have a heart, like a genuine love and care for that person? For instance, watch this. In Romans 3, this famous verse, I had to memorize this as a little kid, I remember this. It's a beautiful verse, I love this. Romans 3.22 says this, all have sinned and fallen short. Let's read it together. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, as your preacher, that's a truth, and I have to communicate to you, but I could choose a couple of different ways. I could shout it at you in anger. Hey, guys, lean in today. I just want to let you know that all have sinned. Not every one of you. You, fought, you and you and you, all of you, fallen short of the glory of God. And you'd go home and say, 
I don't like that. I don't like when Tim yells at me like that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm coming back next week, right? Let me ask you, is that you think how Jesus would read Romans? <laughs> Yelling like he's happy people are going to hell? I don't think so. I think Jesus would say it with love. I think, I think he'd say, I think he'd say it with a broken heart. I think he'd look at our world. And I think he'd say, guys, all of us have messed up. We've all sinned. Nobody bats a thousand. We've all screwed up. We all fall short of the glory of God. I think he'd say it with tenderness, with soft eyes, with compassion. Do you see the difference between emotional maturity and immaturity? It's the same truth, but it's wrapped in love like a truth burrito. That not taste good? <laughs> and after you share the truth with love, final step, I'll end with this, is to focus on reconciliation, not resolution. Leave that point up. Do you guys know the difference? I think a lot of Christians think it's the same thing. There's a world of difference. You got to grasp this. In fact, you may want to take a screenshot of this. Reconciliation means you reestablish the relationship. It means you bury the hatchet. If it's with your ex, it doesn't mean you get remarried. It just means we're at peace with each other. We're not at war. I'm not holding on to any hurt and you're not holding on to any hurt. We've buried the hatchet. We are at peace. We've been reconciled. Very different than resolution. Resolution means we have resolved every disagreement. We're all on the same page, exactly. And let me just tell you, it probably ain't gonna happen. Let's <laughs> be realistic. Because the truth is, there are just some things in your family, in your marriage, with your team at work, there are just some things you are never gonna agree on. Because we're all different. But watch this, if you're mature, you can learn to disagree without being disagreeable. It's called emotional adulting. <laughs> it's called Christ-likeness. To disagree with somebody without being disagreeable. So what that means is you and your teen, you may not see eye to eye, or maybe you have a different perspective on politics than your parents. Don't go there. <laughs> if you're an emotional adult, you can still love and embrace them. Adults actually know how to walk hand in hand without seeing eye to eye because you're differentiated. You're not triggered by their reaction. That is a hallmark of emotional maturity. Can I just tell you? You can check with my wife. We don't see eye to eye on a lot of different things, but we walk hand in hand every day. And we celebrate 23 years of marriage this, this year. It's getting better and better. So catch this. You can have reconciliation without resolving every issue. If you focus on the relationship, a lot of times the issue actually becomes insignificant. How many of your biggest fights were over the smallest things? Can you think about that? You've got to fix the focus on the relationship and watch this, this is the last thing. You got to leave their reaction with God. Remember, part of being an adult, you can't control their response. But if you've done your part, you can rest. You can have peace. Last verse, Romans 12. Paul says this. Do not repay anybody evil for what? Evil. In other words, if immature people push your buttons, don't push their buttons back. That's what babies do, right? If people attack you, you don't attack back. Instead, Paul writes, if it is possible, and I love this, if it's possible, it's not always possible, as far as it depends on who? You live at peace with everyone. I, don't you love how realistic the Bible is? <laughs> Isn't it awesome? 
Like it just acknowledges like we're all going to have conflict because the world is broken. <laughs> so it says, now here's the deal. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, not them, God basically is saying, I realize some people in your life are still emotional infants. They're immature. They're babies. You can't fix that. Their emotional needs may be so greater than so much pain that no matter how far you go to help and support and you listen and understand, you're just not going <laughs> to, you're just not going to please them. You can't control their reaction. So God says, all I expect you to do is control you. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So part of maturing into an emotional adult is actually letting go of the outcome. And I'm going to leave the result with God. So here's my challenge as your pastor who loves you. I love you. As EHS comes to an end next week, would you be willing to commit to put childish ways behind you and ask God to grow you into an emotionally mature adult? Because that's what our world needs most right now. Mature Christ followers who are anchored in the love of Christ, aware of their icebergs, willing to step in, lean into conflict and resolve it. Our world right now is raging with conflict, racial conflict, political conflict, people attacking each other online nonstop. We've got a broken country. We've got a broken government, broken families, broken marriages, broken hearts. My dream as your pastor is to actually commission you today so you can become a minister of reconciliation. So we're like, wait, Tim, you're, you're the minister. You do this stuff. You get paid. No, 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 no. In 2 Corinthians, God gave you a ministry. It's called reconciliation. It says, this is from God who reconciled you to himself through who? Through Christ. In other words, God's like, man, you were estranged. You were at odds with me, but I made you my friend by sending my son Jesus to fix our relationship. And now that we're good, he gave us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. In other words, God wants you to do for the people in your life what Christ did for you. Repair the relationship. Mature adults know that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. God made the first move, not counting people's sins against them. And it's committed to us, the message of, what's the message? Reconciliation. Remember that guy holding the, the sign? Repent, go to hell. All truth, no love. He should have made a bigger sign that said, you know what? God has forgiven you everything. And he wants to be your friend. On the cross, Jesus broke down that wall of fear between us and God. And he built a bridge that we could walk across to repair your relationship. And now God, he said, I want to empower you to do that with other people. The Bible says this, you are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through who? You. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be what? Reconciled to God. The vertical always results in the horizontal. That's what it means to be an emotional adult. You go out and say, man, <laughs> what can I do? Jesus sacrificed everything to repair our, my relationship. I'm going to sacrifice everything for this relationship. God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. And so am I. I love you. I care for you. I want the best for you. So let's fix this together. That's what it means to be a spiritually mature and emotionally healthy adult who loves others well.
just like Jesus. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer, church. Let's bow our heads. Now, as we're praying today, I just want to ask you a question. Do you need to resolve conflict with someone in your life? Do you need to plan a peace conference this week? Maybe God's asking you to pick up the phone in a relationship that's been strained or broken, and you make that first move. Right now, I think your prayer is for courage. Just pray with me. Say, Jesus, I want to be brave. Jesus, I want to be brave. And restore the relationship that's broken. But I'm scared to death. Lord, reveal my blind spots and give me courage to make the first move. With all our heads bowed, maybe you're here today and you've never made peace with God, actually. You feel like, I don't even, Tim, I just feel distant from God. I don't know Jesus the way you're talking about him personally like that. Listen, you need peace with God so that you can have the peace of God. So you can pray along with me. You can just pray this prayer. Let's all pray it out loud so no one feels left out. Just say, Jesus, I've made mistakes and I need your forgiveness. I've been immature for so long, acting like I was God, but I'm not. Forgive me. I ask you to save me. Come into my life, Jesus. I ask your spirit to help me put childish ways behind me and grow up in Christ. Father, as pastor, I pray for these precious, precious people. We're your children, Lord. Would you raise us up? Raise us to be spiritually and emotionally mature adults in a world of conflict. And Lord, would you anoint us to bring reconciliation and deep healing in your name? And as we grow up together, may our lives bring great glory to Jesus. I ask in the name of the Father, our Father, his Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.